Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Today we're chatting with Megan, and Megan's going to share her two birth stories with us. So Megan, if you just want to give us a little bit of an introduction, that would be awesome. Yeah. So um, like like you said, my name's Megan. Um, I'm 26 years old. I live in Texas. I have two children. Uh, my oldest, she is about, to, she'll be four on the 4th of May. And then I have my, my littlest one who just turned one in March, at the end of March. And, um, so I got married in 2017 and pretty soon after that, after we got married, we decided that, you know, we wanted to, to start our family and that, that is where, where the the struggle just began from there. You know, people don't really tell you that, you know, it takes some time to conceive, even though like you see people conceiving like pretty quickly, they don't tell you that, you know, sometimes it takes, it takes a few months on average. And so. I wasn't, I wasn't conceiving for, you know, a few months after we had been married. And that was really concerning to me. That was just all I was thinking about was just, man, I'm still not pregnant. And, um, it was, it wasn't until, so we got married in January and it wasn't until July. I started having some, some weird things going on every morning. I would wake up and I would have to go to the bathroom. I would have to, you know, go pee and right once I did that, I would just get this extremely painful feeling. It it was just like clockwork every single morning. That's what happened. Like I was crippled over, like crying, just in pain. So I started, I wanted to see some natural doctors, see if, see what they, they had to say. I, I ended up getting diagnosed with Hashimoto's, but soon after that, literally like a day after I got that diagnosis, um, I had that feeling, but it was, it was in the middle of the day and I could tell that this, this time it was pretty serious. I, I started blacking out. And so finally we were just like, all right, we need to, we need to go to the, to the ER. And that's when I found out that I actually had an ectopic pregnancy that had ruptured. So my, my fallopian tube just completely ruptured. They had to go in and, I was, I was devastated because it took so, it seemed like it had taken so long for me to finally get pregnant. And then the way I find out is that, you know, it it was an ectopic that, that ruptured. So it was a really traumatic, devastating moment for me. But, um, you know, I think I I feel like it kind of all worked out because, you know, then I found out that, you know, I had underlying health issues. I, n- I never would have gone to the, the doctor and found out that I had autoimmune issues. So that was just a whole thing in and of itself. A month later, so that happened in July. A month later in August, I, I found out that I was pregnant again. And so that was kind of scary for me because I was like, oh, what if, what if I lose, you know, my only fallopian tube left? So I went, I went and had a sonogram done, you know, pretty immediate after finding out, found out that, you know, everything was looking, looking good so far. Everything was smooth sailing after I found out that I was pregnant again. I ended up going to um, the OB that performed my, um, my tubal repair from my rupture. I ended up just seeing her 
um, throughout my, my first pregnancy. Um, I just felt, you know, she knows, she knows my case, you know, I'm sure she has, you know, my best interest at heart. There were, there were some red flags that I, I just didn't kind of see from the beginning. You know, she would tell me like, she just kind of set it up from the beginning. Like, oh, you know, you might not even be able to have, you know, I, I know you want to have a natural birth, but you might not even be able to because, you know, you're, you have a small frame, just, just little things here and there that she would always say. When I finally got to about um, 30, 30 weeks or so pregnant, she, she told me, she was like, so baby is, is breach still. And so we're just going to have to go ahead and schedule you a C-section just in case, you know, she doesn't turn. So I was like, okay. So we, we scheduled the C-section and I'm doing everything. I'm looking up, you know, the turning babies. I'm seeing a chiropractor doing all kinds of things, trying to get this baby to turn. And, and she just, she never does. And so I actually, I ended up going into labor by myself. My, my water just, just burst. It was right at 40 weeks, my, my water ruptured. And so I was, I was just trying to play calm. I had heard that, you know, babies, once your water breaks, like sometimes, you know, just last minute they can turn. So before, before I went to the hospital, I'm like sitting there like doing inversions, hoping that this, this baby will turn. So we get to the hospital, they, they do an ultrasound and they're like, yeah, we're sorry. Baby is still breached. So there, there's nothing we can do. We're not going to wait to see if the baby will turn last minute. Cause, um, I guess I was progressing pretty quickly from there. So they were like, we're not going to wait to see if baby turns. We're just, we're just going to go ahead and, uh, wait for, for an operating room to, to open up and we're going to get you in there. So that, that happened at 11. So first off, I found out also the reason that she, she had scheduled my C-section, she was actually going out of town. So whenever I got there, she was out of town. And so that played a whole part in, in her planning my, my C-section as well. So she wasn't even there for, for the birth of my, my firstborn. It was, it was just so weird, just the whole demeanor I had in my, in my birth plan, you know, if, if I was going to be doing it natural that, you know, I wanted to go full natural. I don't want an epidural or anything. And so they're, they're not letting me cope with my contractions while we're waiting for the operating room to, um, to open up. I can't stand. I can't walk around. They want me sitting down so that baby doesn't descend. And so that, that's pretty painful. Like when you, when you just have to sit there and take it and you can't do anything about it. And the, the nurse, she was like, <laughs> and to think that you wanted to do this natural. And I was just like, okay, you know, now's wow. not really time. <laughs> be like, if I was doing this the way I wanted to, I wouldn't just be sitting here in pain anyway. <laughs> exactly. That's so rude. I know. I was just like, okay, like I, I already have to, you know, deal with the fact that my birth plan already is not going as planned. So thank right. you for that. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I didn't get into the, into the operating room until, so my water broke at 11. I wasn't in, in the operating room until three in the morning. So I had a long time and things picked up really fast. So I remember like, it was just, I was in so much pain that like things were just so blurry and just when I finally got into, um, the operating room and then they, 
they put the um the spinal into me and they were like so they were like do you feel anything and you know they're not really telling me anything and so like i i shook my head i was like no and they were like don't 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 shake your head you know you have you have this in your back and i was like okay well <laughs> i don't know like you didn't say anything and then right after that uh, it was so bad i started having a reaction and i just started i started throwing up i just i got so sick and they had to you know i was shaking just it was it was so awful and but i'm so thankful that my my husband was there because it was just when you're just being cut open and you're awake for it it's just such a weird stressful feeling i was like mm -hmm. i told him i was like i just need you to talk to me talk about anything i don't care just keep my mind off of what's going on because I'm kind of freaking out here so so he's just he was there talking to me the whole time and then um they they finally got her out it, it took about 30 30 minutes all all together they finally got her out and that was just such a relief what uh, kind of I, breach was she do you know um i don't i don't know exactly um so they they got her out again still not following my birth plan you know i wanted once they had her out you know i wanted to have some skin on skin and like i just i wanted her there with me like throughout the them closing me up but instead they just they went ahead they cut her cord and they told my husband they were like you you go with the baby to the um to the room and and we'll bring your wife up whenever whenever we're done closing her up and so I was like okay like not really what I wanted but all right so he he went with her into the into the room and um while I was being being closed up and I just remember I just kept asking like are y'all almost done are y'all almost done you know I just I want to hold my baby for the first time and so, yeah, that was, that was my, my C-section experience. Um, thankfully healing, healing wasn't too bad. You know, standing up was like the most traumatic thing to me. Like I just felt like my insides were just going to spill out of me. But as far as healing, thankfully I didn't have any, any complications or anything like that, but I'll tell you like right after that I was like I know I want more children so I just I was like I need to be more prepared I need to I just need more information I I felt so unprepared with my first I just wanted to I was like I will have a natural birth this next time around How did that postpartum time go for you like after you got home from the hospital and kind of settled in a little bit were you able to bond with baby and have that time that you wanted yes i i'm so thankful you know i had heard just you know you know stories of women who who have had c-sections and because they didn't have that that immediate bond they had you know struggles um nursing and all kinds of things i'm so thankful that she was she was a super easy easy nurser like i still we still had a really great bond like you know, I, this was my first born, so it was super sweet and special to me. And, um, thankfully I am, you know, I'm a stay at home mom, so I didn't have to worry about, oh, now I have to leave my baby and go to work. So I'm thankful, like just the whole way through, we just, we got to bond and healing didn't take too, too long from what I've heard from other ladies. So, so was VBAC always on your mind then just from, yes right after that birth? 
Yes, because even even before before my first one, I I had told myself I really just want I want a natural birth. I originally wanted to do a home birth with my first, but with with the whole situation, I thought, oh, you know, maybe maybe a home birth isn't for me since you know I had this this ectopic pregnancy. Maybe maybe I'm I'm meant to do it in the hospital. But then after, after that whole experience, I was like, man, it was just, it was so awful. Nothing went the way I wanted it to. And, um, I'm thankful I didn't have any, any depression or, um, I didn't, I didn't really like dwell on the fact that it didn't go my way. You know, that's just kind of how life is. I, I just knew I was like, all right, you know, originally I wanted to do things the natural way. Like this time we're, we're going to go. I feel like that's my my best bet to to get what I want is to be at home, be in control. I, I so started. You, you reading, wanted a home uh, birth right away too, then. Yeah. So and like I said, you know, I wanted originally wanted to do a home birth. You know, if if I never had that ectopic, I probably would have looked into to midwives and and having a home birth. But but I was just like, eh, maybe not. But right right when you know after I had had my first, I, I started researching like crazy. I read, you know, Ina May's um, Guide to, to Childbirth. And that was really, really eye-opening to me. And um, I really learned a lot. It really showed me um, like the cascade of interventions. And it just, it just all made sense to me. And I'm in, uh, I joined like ICANN and, you know, other VBAC support groups. And that's, that's when like, I started taking what I learned from, you know, from Ina May's book. And, you know, when somebody had like a failed VBAC, I was, I would go in and be like, all right, you know, like what went wrong? And then it's just right there. You can just see, you know, the cascade of interventions. And of course, that's not always the case. But, you know, most more times than not, it was just like, wow, okay, you know, maybe there is something to it. Maybe, you know, the the stress from having a bunch of strangers in and out of your room, you know, stalling labor and, you know, starting up labor when when your body isn't even ready. Just all these things that I that I learned from it. I I even started looking into midwives, and um, that's when I know a lot of people. Who are familiar with the San Antonio area, they know uh, the San Antonio nurse midwife, uh, Nikki McIver Brown. Um, I, I looked into her, I messaged her before my, my daughter was probably like six months old. Whenever I asked her um, if she would be able to do a VBAC at home, and uh, we just started talking from there. And I was like, okay, you know what? I think I think this lady is it. I think this is who who I would want to deliver my my next baby. So so yeah, um, I didn't even, I didn't even get pregnant the second time around until I was, I had completely weaned my first. I didn't even get my cycle back until I had completely weaned her uh, about a year and a half or so. So like I said in the beginning, how I had autoimmune issues after I had my, my first and I had weaned her, I started getting really, really sick again. And was after I got my cycle back, I wasn't again, I wasn't conceiving. So I was like, man, you know, what, if, what if I don't get pregnant again? Like, it's just this whole, whole thing again. So I had to kind of start, you know, worrying about my health. And 
I didn't get pregnant until my daughter had just turned three, I think. Yeah, she was, she was about to turn three. And then I finally, finally got pregnant again. But like I said, it just seemed like such a long time. I was so impatient. I just, you know, seeing everyone just, you know, conceive quickly. And I'm just like, why, why can't I conceive? So finally I, I get pregnant again and um, I actually went to go meet the midwife and I was like, it is so crazy. Just what a difference, just meeting with her and talking just the whole demeanor versus, you know, a traditional in hospital OB, like the difference was so crazy. I felt, I felt like she was a friend, you know, I didn't feel like, you know, I'm just going in to see a doctor. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed that relationship with her. It was like night and day. So her office is, is like basically in a, in a little house and midway into, um, into my, my pregnancy, she actually ended up at first, she was just doing in-home births, but then midway she got a new, a new setup and turned it into a, um, into a birth center. So, so now she had that option to do in home or birth center, but I was, I was still pretty, pretty set on doing my home birth. So, um, yeah, my, my pregnancy with my, my second was, it was very smooth, just no complaints really. Um, I know like a lot of people have like issues, you know, like their, their scar feels weird. And I think I was so, um, it, it, it just had been so long since my C-section that I, I just, I didn't have any, any feelings or, you know, anything weird going on with my, with my scars or anything. Was there anything that you had done specifically to prepare for a home birth after your C-section? Like any birth prep or anything like that? Basically. So I was, I was still doing research. That's when I was, you know, looking into it was very important for me. You don't want to just type in, you know, like um, natural birth or anything like that, or, you know, VBACs, because sometimes like you get the traumatic experiences. So I just, I made sure to look into nothing but good, positive, you know, success stories. But at the same time, like I knew in the back of my head, you know, there just like in a, in a hospital setting, if, you know, if this was my, my first pregnancy, like there's still, you know, a little bit of a risk, like something can happen, you know, I'm not in complete control. So I knew in the back of my head, you know, something, something can go wrong, something can, you know, not necessarily go as planned. But I know, you know, if done right, just how successful that it can be that, you know, most, most women can, can go on to have a successful VBAC. So I was, I was just looking into just positive VBAC success stories there, you know, there were some people in my life who didn't really understand. They thought that I just wanted a home birth because I wanted to be like a hippie type of thing. You know, they're like, oh, you know, home births are, are for hippies. And I'm, I'm like, no, no, it's, it's not, you know, people were, were doing it long before. And, you know, it was just a completely normal thing. And I knew that in my, in the comfort of my home, that was my best bet at having a successful VBAC. I, I just had to kind of shut those people down and just be like, Hey, you know, um, I, I really don't want to talk about it with you because, you know, if, if I start thinking about it, then, then, you know, I'm going to start worrying. I just tried to stay 
in a good mindset the whole the whole way through definitely lots of prayer <laughs> just you know ask asking the lord to just get me through it just that i could ha- go on and have a successful vbac and then i made sure like towards the end of my pregnancy i got a bunch of um positive like affirmations and i just posted them everywhere to just kind of remind myself like hey you can do this lots of people have done this you got this so i just i just tried to stay as optimistic as possible throughout the whole thing and and to know that you know lots of lots of people have done it and, and those boundaries are important too how you talked about like not listening to all the negative stuff that people want to pour onto you anytime you're pregnant or planning something that they think is wrong it's it's important to have those boundaries and draw your line there too yes and i feel because you know, I didn't want to argue with them. I just, you know, just politely said, Hey, you know, I I really don't want to talk about it. I don't want to stress about it. You know, I'm, I'm in a good mindset about it right now. And so I feel like because I had that attitude after I I had my VBAC, those people, they then saw, they, they came around and they were like, okay, like we see now why, why you did what you did. Like we, we, we have a better understanding and we know once they, once they saw, you know, the, the atmosphere that I was in when I was in labor, I feel like they were like, okay, like we, we get it. We see now for, for the ladies out there that, cause I know that it's so, um, it's so common for people to, to turn it down that just, if you, you just gotta just knock it down before, before they even get started and they, they might come around. They might, they might understand later on. Side note, I had to, my midwife sent me mid-pregnancy to see, um, to see a specialist because of my, my thyroid issues. She wanted to make sure that, you know, it wasn't affecting the baby because um, when you have thyroid issues, then it can, it can affect your, your baby when they're growing, developing inside of you. So she took me or she sent me to go see a high-risk specialist just one time. And the whole demeanor changed whenever they found out that I was having a home birth instead of, you know, seeing one of their OBs, the doctor, he said to me, he was like, well, don't you know that, that your home is for pizza delivery, not baby delivery. And I was just, it's just crazy. Like people's mindset for for home births. He should Um, read the book. Babies are, or what is it? The evidence-based birth book. (laughs) Yes. Babies aren't pizzas or whatever yeah. it is. Babies are born, I, I not to, delivered. It's so funny because I, I just ordered one of those. When I saw that shirt that they have, I was like, that is just so, so perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like someone literally said that to me. I was just, I was mind blown that, that he said that. And my husband, he was there in the room and he was just like, what in the world? Like everyone just got so negative so quickly when they found out that I wasn't having it at their hospital and that I was just going to be doing it in my, in the comfort of my home. <laughs> yeah. People just have this weird, I guess, stigma about, about home births. And I think some of it truly just comes from lack of education. Like we yeah. don't talk about home birth the way that we talk about hospital birth. I mean, you just assume everyone's going to have their baby in the hospital because that's what everybody does. Right. And you're right. There is a stigma around it. And that's unfortunate because there really shouldn't be. I mean, there's studies coming out now that home birth is actually safer for low-risk women 
than being in the hospital is. I don't remember the exact name of it. I can link it with um, the episode and share it on some of the social media platforms. But there was just a recent one done, I want to say, at the beginning of this year that compared hospital birth to home birth, and home birth was actually safer. It was, it was about, it was like a Sunday and we were, we were at church and I was, I was sitting there and I realized that my, like, it still felt like Braxton Hicks, but I noticed that they were, instead of, you know, just every once in a while, I noticed that they were pretty consistent. And so I looked at my husband and I was like, Hey, I think this might be it. Like, I think something's going on here because, you know, my, my Braxton Hicks are now starting to become regular. So he was like, well, go home. What are you doing? And I was like, no, like, you know, I'm, I'm not in pain or anything like that. I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, stay and wait it out. And so, um, that, that whole Sunday, they, they just became regular, but they were, they were, they still weren't painful. They were just more happening more often than, than they were. And this was at, this was exactly at 40 weeks. I was, I was just about to be 40 weeks. I know a lot of people that they're like, Oh, well, what if, what if I never go into, um, into labor on my own? I know that's a, a thought in a lot of people's people's heads, but you know, your body will, will eventually start more than likely to go into labor. And just a reminder, you know, your, your estimated due date is just that, you know, it's an estimation. So just because you might be, you know, quote unquote, 40 weeks really in gestation, you know, maybe you're a little sooner than that. And so that's why it seems like it's taking forever, but that was just a little side note, but uh, <laughs> uh, I went to bed that night, you know, nothing really progressed from it, but you know, I was just still having, having contractions. And then Monday it, it dwindled down, but I realized that my Braxton Hicks were no longer Braxton Hicks. You know, they were picking up in frequency, but they were still just very, very sporadic. And so that night I got onto, I was on my little, um, my exercise ball, just trying to do, do some, some things there and seeing if I could maybe pick things up. And that night it just got, it got so bad. I was, I was in so much pain. I did not go to sleep that night. I was like, all right, you know, this is it. And so it was, it was like three or four in the morning. I get into the shower and I'm like, okay, maybe some, you know, warm water will, will help me calm down. I get in the shower and um, when I get out, things just completely halt. I'm exhausted. And the next thing I know, my toddler is coming down, down the stairs asking for breakfast. I had, you know, spent this whole night awake, having these painful contractions, and then and then just nothing of it. And so I was like, oh, this is so discouraging. Like when I actually do go into labor, am I going to have the energy to do this? And so throughout throughout the day, I was I was able to things finally, you know, died down, I was able to to take a nap and and then that night the next night it started picking up again and I was I was just thinking to myself if this is not it if this is another night of false labor I don't know what I'm gonna do so I'm, I was doing pretty good at, at coping with my with my contractions this time around because I just I knew how to what to expect 
Um, I was pretty calm and collected. And my husband, he kept asking me because it was, it, my timer was showing that it was, that things were pretty consistent, but in the back of my head, I knew how painful the contractions were with my first born. I was waiting for it to get to that intensity. So he kept asking me like, Hey, do I need to call Nikki now? I'm going to call Nikki. And I'm like, no, this is not it yet. Like, don't call Nikki. Don't tell her to come. Like it's, she'll probably be here for a while if you do that. Not that she would mind, but you know, I, I just, I don't know. In the back of my head, I was like, I don't want her to just like sit here for nothing for this to, you know, maybe be false labor again. And so he, he goes to bed and things are picking up again. I get in the shower and things die down yet again. And I was just like, no way. <laughs> like this, this is false labor again. So I go and I lay down in our guest bedroom so that my husband can get sleep and I can get sleep and just, and then I start realizing that they're coming back. So I'm, I'm waking up like every 10 minutes. I didn't even know that it was possible to sleep between, between contractions, but I was doing it. And every 10 minutes or so I would wake up and my husband, he was like, Hey, like, I can hear you upstairs. Like, do I need to call Nikki yet? And I was like, no, it's still not time. Like, don't do it. He was like, I feel like we need to. And I was like, just don't call her. So things, things pick back up. It's now like, it's like six in the morning, I think. And then I realized that, that I've lost my mucus plug. I've, I've had my bloody show and now I can't even really speak. <laughs> so I, I call my husband between a contraction and I'm like, I need you to call Nikki now, tell her I'm ready to go. And he was like, he was like, okay, she wants to know, you know, how, how frequent your contractions are. I was like, they're so frequent that I can't even tell where they stop and and end. I was like, I don't know. So, so he, he relays the information. She's like, okay. She's like, I will, you know, I'm in the shower. I'm, I'm coming over. I end up making it downstairs because that's where I wanted to, to have the baby. So I'm downstairs, just rolling on my, on my exercise ball. She finally makes it over. It's now seven in the morning. Originally I, I didn't want any checks or anything like that. And so when she walks in, she's like, do you want me to check you or no? And that's, that's what I love about her. Just the whole way through. It's all about what you want when in the, you know, in the hospital, they didn't care what I wanted. And even if I told them what I wanted, you know, half the time they didn't even honor that, but with her, it's what do you want? So she asked me, she's like, do you want me to check you? And I was, I was like, you know what, I guess, you know, just go ahead. My, my biggest fear was to, to get checked and then, you know, find out I'm only, you know, three, three centimeters dilated. But I was like, I'm just, I'm in so much pain. This has been going on for so long. I, just go ahead and check me. So she checks me and she's like, girl, she was like, you are nine and a half centimeters with a bulging bag of water. Like we're almost ready to go. And I'm just thinking, praise the Lord. <laughs> like this is about to come to an end. So, um, I, I get in the shower and that was, it, it's just crazy just how, how helpful that was to me, um, just to have that, that warm water just falling on me. So that really helped me cope through, through the last end. And so she's, she's checking me, she's checking the baby's heartbeat while I'm in the shower. And she was like, all right, so baby's not really like in the position you're in. I'm just, you know, on my hands and knees in, in the shower baby's not really liking the position you're in heart rate is a little low, nothing to be concerned of yet. She was like, but you know, 
because that is a, you know, an issue. She was like, we need to try and get this baby out as quickly as possible so that we don't need to, to go to the hospital. So we get out of the shower and I, I never thought that I wanted to do this, but she, she was like, she brought in a birthing stool and she's like, maybe you want to try this. And I was like, you know what, whatever, whatever you think will be faster at this point. I just want this baby out of me. So she, she brings out this birthing stool and, and it just took just a few, a few pushes. My, my water broke and then, and then out came baby. And I'll, I'll just, I'll never forget that moment because just as I was pushing, you know, you get to that point where you're like, I can't do it. And so I, I told Nikki, I was like, Nikki, I don't think I can do it. You know, I'm so tired. Like, I don't think I can do it. And she was like, these are your options. She was like, we can go to the hospital right now and we can, and you know, they can re- do a repeat C-section or she's like, you can do this. She was like, I know you can do this. And so just those last pushes, I was just yelling, <laughs> yelling in my house with my, my sister-in-law and my daughter. Um, they were, they were out, out of the room and they could hear me. And I was just like, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> and, then, and, then, uh, and then finally I was like, I did it. <laughs> but just the feeling after I was just like, man, you know, I had so many people tell me that I couldn't do it. And, and here I am, I did it. It was like the most exhilarating feeling that I've ever had. And I just, I just felt on cloud nine. It was, it was amazing. (laughs) Healing, healing was just, again, just night and day from the hospital to being at home. Everything I had was at home. I was able to sleep without people coming in and out bothering me. Praise the Lord, didn't have any tearing or anything like that. So it was just, I just feel like that birth was the picture perfect birth that I needed. And it also helped me heal mentally. I feel just from, you know, the, in the back of my head, my failed first birth plan. So that was just the physical and mental healing that I needed. And it was just, it was really exhilarating. (laughs) How long was your entire labor from beginning to end? Not including, you know, all that fall, all of the false labor. It was about from 10 Tuesday evening. And then I ended up having her at 10, 10 10.09 Wednesday morning. So uh, I'd say a perfect 12 hours or so. Do you remember how long you pushed for or did you have, did you experience any like fetal ejection reflex or anything like that? I didn't, I don't, I don't remember. I don't think I had any, any fetal ejection. Um, but I, I think I pushed for 25, 30 minutes or so. So it was, it was just kind of all like a blur. Things were happening so quickly. So even though, you know, it wasn't, I guess, immediate, it, it felt pretty immediate. (laughs) So what did that postpartum time look like? And do you remember anything about uh, the the birth of the placenta? Yeah, so the um, the birth of the placenta, that was that was pretty um, that came pretty quickly too, maybe 15 minutes or so after after my daughter was born. And it it didn't feel I know some people said that that their placenta hurt, but um, it it happened pretty quickly and it I didn't feel anything it she was like okay you know it's out and I was like okay like I didn't even really feel it so and then as far as healing um since since I didn't have any tears or anything like that 
I mean, within a couple of days, you know, I was just basically up and, and back to normal. So it was way different than going from feeling like my insides are about to come out of me from my C-section to just, you know, being up and, and about in a few days. That was really, really weird to me. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it to be anything like that. It definitely went a lot smoother than I, than I had expected. And I just, I, another like thing that I told myself is because, you know, my husband and I, we, we want a pretty, you know, large family. And so I just kind of, I said in the back of my mind, like this has, I have to make this work. This has to work because, you know, I can't just have a bunch of, a bunch of C-sections, you know, that it's just going to get more dangerous. And, and my, my OB, she was like, you know, I would, I wouldn't go past, past three C-sections. And so, I mean, I wouldn't want to be um, cut open over and over again. So uh, I, in the back of my head, I was like, this has to work because I don't want to be cut open again. I want more children. I don't want to have to put a number on, on how many I can have. So, so thankful that, that I mean, it, it really was just the picture perfect, smooth sailing home birth experience. And, you know, not, not everyone experiences that, but I'm just, I'm so thankful that everything just went according to plan. And, you know, even though some, some things changed, you know, I never saw myself. I, I was literally in the doorway of my bathroom on a, on a birthing stool. I never saw myself doing that, <laughs> but, you know, um, I'm just, I'm so thankful that it, that it went the way it did. I'm so happy with it. Is there anything that you would want women who are either looking at options or currently planning for their home birth to know or anything that you kind of learned along the way with your birth stories? Yeah, I mean, the the most important thing I think is to make sure that your provider is is 100% on board with with what you want. Uh, make sure you have a good support system. If there are people who aren't very supportive, I don't recommend having them over during your home birth because I mean that that's one thing that that my midwife told me she was like you know I've seen it so many times where you know just somebody comes in and they're just while you're in labor and they're just not really on board and I've seen you know the labor stall and then she was like I have to you know politely say like hey like maybe maybe you should run and go go grab some food food or something. And she's like, and then when, when that person leaves, then, you know, their, their labor picks back up. So, you know, don't have people there that are, um, that are not on board with you and especially your provider having, having a doula or is a big thing. I, I didn't technically have like an official doula, but my, my sister was there. She's, um, a licensed massage therapist and, um, and, and she had a, attended one of her friend's births, you know, doing the same thing, even though she's not an actual doula. So having someone there to act as a doula, I feel like is also very important. Someone, one who can back up your plan and then two can help you cope through your labor and your contractions and everything. And just, just try to, try to stay positive. Don't look into, into the things that can go wrong um, because it, it will freak you out. And I mean, most, most times it does, it does go, go pretty smoothly. Yeah. And what you said about 
a doula too. I mean, I think it's important to remember that even if someone's not like a certified professional doula or anything like that, it's really just the support that you need. Someone who believes in you and believes in what you're doing and is just there to support you no matter what is, is what the main benefit from a doula is. Like obviously doulas have training and knowledge about birth and are familiar with the birth process and all of that. But sometimes you just need like your own personal cheerleader to just be there and hold your hand and help you through the entire thing. Well, thank you so much for being willing to share your stories with us. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm I'm very happy to, to share with you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.